Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Quest for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Ed Slover, and I'm fiercely passionate about trying to make every next interaction with someone, every next room I walk into, better than I found it. In today's episode, I'm going to discuss why some people go through their day-to-day lives feeling like a fraud and ways to fight against it and even overcome this feeling in order to live positive, more productive lives. So let's get started. People who struggle with feelings of being undeserving of their achievements or at least the recognition they receive because of their achievements or people feeling as though they're going to be found out by others to be less competent or less intelligent, likely suffer from what's known as imposter syndrome. These are people who believe that eventually they're going to be found out, eventually they're going to be caught, that others will discover the truth, that they are, in fact, a fake, a phony, or a fraud. More formally, imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that one's own success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts and skills. People suffering from imposter syndrome don't acknowledge that their efforts and skills led to their success, despite the abundant evidence to the contrary. They often attribute their accomplishments to external or transient factors like luck or good timing. So what causes a person to suffer from imposter syndrome and how can we help, whether we're helping ourselves or we're helping others? In preparation for this podcast, And in researching imposter syndrome, there's just so many different potential causes for this. I was able to distill it down into really four main main causes here. Now, this isn't all-encompassing, but it is illustrative of what the potential causes of imposter syndrome are. The first are personality traits. So people suffering imposter syndrome or experiencing imposter syndrome often struggle with self-efficacy, perfectionism, and neuroticism. Let's look at these three things separately. Self-efficacy. Now, this is a more specific form of self-esteem. Self-efficacy refers to a person's belief that they can achieve a goal or accomplish a task from start to finish. Prior to setting a goal or prior to starting a task, there's an evaluation made and uh, a determination on whether or not we can believe we can start a particular toward a particular goal and ultimately accomplish that goal and people with high self-efficacy look at those situations they they make an appraisal of the situation and say yeah i can start this thing and persist all the way through take a high school senior who is looking at uh, potential colleges In the moment, they make the determination that, okay, I can enroll in school and I can persist all the way through to graduation to earn my undergraduate degree. That would be an example of someone who's high achieving. That'd be an example of someone who believes that they can persist all the way through whatever struggle or adversity that that happens to come along the way. Obviously, people with low self-efficacy believe just the opposite. The second is perfectionism. Now, this is a personality trait that makes life about a scorecard, about accomplishments, you know, such as earning degrees in an academic setting or earning promotions or raises in a professional setting can also relate to physical appearance pick something. We all know people that are perfectionists and 
On the positive side, this particular trait can be highly self-motivating. It can allow us to push into the struggle of life. It can allow us to overcome the adversity of life. The obvious downside is that perfection or perfectness, as we all know, is simply not attainable, which leads people to have unrealistic expectations for themselves, which invariably leads to dissatisfaction and unhappiness. The third is neuroticism. So this reflects a general tendency toward negative emotions and or low emotional stability. You have to imagine this on a bit of a spectrum. So people tend, uh, people that are high on the neuroticism spectrum tend to worry about things more than other people. They're more easily disturbed. Uh, they often feel sad. They get irritated easily and have more frequent mood swings. When we look at each of these three personality traits uh, together, so when we consolidate these three together, roughly a quarter, a quarter to a third of people, specifically high achievers, may experience imposter syndrome. We very likely, all of us, have experienced this at least once in our life. Psychological research informs us that roughly 70% of adults experience imposter syndrome at least once in their life, but a full 25 to 30% experience this consistently. Personality traits, self-efficacy, perfectionism, neuroticism, that's potential cause number one. Potential cause number two, triggering events. This is interesting. Calling attention to one's success, ironically, can lead to a person uh, experiencing imposter syndrome. I mean, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary, the trigger event reminds them that they are unworthy of their success and or the attention that they're receiving because of their success. So how does this come to life? Well, if someone is given praise or recognition for having done something really, really well, the praise and recognition in and of itself serves as the trigger event. And that person is now reminded that they don't feel worthy or deserving of the praise or recognition from that success. In effect, these people don't or can't believe that they produce the results authentically. Thus, they feel fake and they're gripped by fear that someone or anyone at some point will discover they're a fraud. That's potential cause number two. Potential cause number three is actually um, dovetails from the triggering event, and that is persistent fear. In addition to being afraid of being discovered as a fake, a phony, or a fraud, people suffering from imposter syndrome often fear being an emotional drain on their partners, their children, or their friends. And this can create a negative feedback loop. Hang with me on this. This is fascinating. When a person fears being caught as a fraud, they tend to go out of their way to attribute their success to something outside of themselves, these transient factors that are external from them, which can undermine their partner or their friend because it invalidates the praise and attention being given from their partner or friend. It actually strains the relationship, which is what the self-purported fraud fears. So they perpetuate not wanting to be found out for the fraud they believe themselves to be. So they, and they, 
they ultimately strain the relationship by invalidating the praise or recognition that they're being given from the people that are, are invested in them the most. I mean, this is, this is an, an utterly fascinating psychological perspective. And it's not coincidental. It's, when you think about it more deeply, it's not coincidental that people suffer from imposter syndrome often suffer from depression because they are, in effect, undermining what they claim they want the most. They want to have these positive, productive relationships, and yet they feel like a fraud internally, and they subsequently undermine the relationships they claim they want the most. It's no wonder people get depressed whenever they have these persistent uh, feelings uh, around their, you know, their belief that their success is, is undeserved. So, so we have persistent fear dovetailing from the triggering events, which leads us now to number four. People experiencing imposter syndrome often receive bad advice from people they love and trust in the form of fake it till you make it. We've all heard this. In general, for most everybody, I mean, for most everybody, this is just bad advice anyway, because faking something causes you to identify with something you're not or something you lack. Now, for people experiencing imposter syndrome, the fake it till you make it advice, however well intended, can make matters worse. These people already believe themselves to be fake. And now the people that mean the most to them and are encouraging them to be even more fake. And not, not only does this, is this potentially confusing for the person with imposter syndrome, it can, make, it, can, it can create this negative feedback loop, this perpetuation loop of making things worse because it exacerbates the imposter syndrome. But based on all of that, based on the personality traits that we took a look at, triggering events, persistent fear, bad advice, Let's discuss ways a person can overcome or at least lessen the negative effects of imposter syndrome with the obvious qualifier that these are really simple things to say out loud, but not easy to put in practice. The first one is working to developing coping skills. Research suggests that talking openly about imposter syndrome is both cathartic and beneficial. Additionally, this research includes the need for people to seek emotional support, to maybe employ humor, to engage in regular and consistent physical activity, to engage in spiritual practice, and to confess this imposterism uh, to a mentor. Doing so, or doing each of these things, whether separately or together, can help decrease the self-imposed pressure and stress that accompanies imposter syndrome. And that allows people to be more productive while living more peaceful lives. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is we're trying to calm down the negative self-talk. We're trying to calm down um, or trying to get out of living in the labyrinth of, of our own mind that leads to self-limiting or self-defeating uh, beliefs and behaviors. So developing coping skills or helping others develop coping skills is the first a potential way to overcome this, or at least lessen it. So number two, overcoming and lessening the effects of imposter syndrome really involves a change of one's mindset about their abilities. 
This shift requires a person to recognize and acknowledge their capabilities and how those skills, how those capabilities have led them to achieving the desired result. Said differently, recognition must be given to one's own ability, uh, one's own abilities and one's accomplishments independently. And then drawing a connection between the two. So think about it this way. A person experiencing imposter syndromes, imposter syndrome needs to take time for reflection to remind themselves of the capabilities and the abilities that they, they possess. Then they need to reflect on the goals that they achieve. So we're doing these things independently. It's a recognition of skills, capabilities. It's a recognition of our accomplishments and then drawing a connection between the two so we can celebrate how the abilities, how the skills contributed toward achieving the goal. So we're really systematizing the change of, of mindset in, in an effort to lessen or overcome imposter syndrome. A third way is trying to embrace mistakes. People experiencing imposter syndrome often feel as though they need to complete tasks flawlessly. They believe that everything they do must be mistake-free, that it must be error-free, and they pl place a disproportionate amount of stress and pressure on themselves, particularly high achievers. Compounding this is when these people make a comparison about themselves to other people, which not surprisingly increases the stress and pressure they place on themselves to perform flawlessly at everything they do. This is self-defeating. Embracing mistakes involves the awareness that we learn and grow from having made mistakes in the first place. Ironically, it isn't helpful to tell someone experiencing imposter syndrome, well, you know, everyone makes mistakes. I mean, that's bad advice or that that's bad commentary. Anyway, it's somewhat lazy just to defer. Well, everyone makes mistakes. Well, nobody's perfect. We all know this. So that's self-evident. And no, because people with imposter syndrome already know this, committing errors is intolerable to them or even giving thought about the possibility of making make, making mistakes is intolerable intolerable to them but what if we can get them to focus on what we can learn from the mistakes and how we can grow from those mistakes in effect that sets a new goal and allows for emphasis to be placed on concrete achievements it's this idea that a perceived negative can be a potential positive leading to a decrease in self-imposed pressure and stress. So let me say that one more time. When we focus on what we can learn from our mistakes and how we can grow from those mistakes, that actually sets a goal. And if you are dealing with someone that has moderate to high self-efficacy, who believes that they can achieve a goal or complete a task from start to finish, setting a new goal on what we can learn from our mistakes is actually beneficial. It turns a perceived negative into a potential positive, and that helps decrease the self-imposed pressure and stress. As we wrap up episode 20 of the Quest for Life podcast, consider the following. Imposter syndrome is normal. We all experience it in some form, 
in 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 some way at, at some time in our life. I mean, after all, let's face it, we all went to high school. So what what high school sophomore at some point didn't feel like a fake, phony, or fraud? So imposter syndrome is completely normal. The question is, to what extent does it negatively affect our lives? To what extent does it negatively affect our relationships? Number two, rem remember to remind yourself of, of all you've accomplished in your life to get you to this point. You did that. Whether you believe that your efforts or your skills contributed to whatever it is you achieved is independent of the fact that you did that. And we need to remind ourselves that what we accomplished in our lives up until this point was a, is, is proof. It's a reflection of us doing that. Number three, seek out a mentor. Find someone who will give it to you straight. Find someone that will keep it real while supporting you along the way. This is someone that is just drop dead honest. This is, an, this is someone that you know, you believe that they have your best interest in mind. And this person will help you navigate the negative self-talk, will help you, you find the light from the dark recesses of the labyrinth of your mind whenever you get stuck. Number four, become a mentor. Now, this may seem somewhat counterintuitive, but when we become a mentor, when we become a teacher, in many ways, people that suffer imposter syndrome, they surprise themselves with how helpful they can be to other people, with how much they actually know, how much wisdom they've, they've picked up throughout their journey. And it's because of all of that knowledge and wisdom, in addition to skills and talents that actually can help other people navigate their own journey, help people lessen or overcome uh, the feelings of being a fraud, which actually is helpful to people who are in now a mentor position who feel uh, often that they are fake, phony, or fraud. And then lastly, expect mistakes, I expect failure, at, at least failure initially. We're never an expert when we start something new. This, what we can't do is we can't beat ourselves up for not being good at something that we've never done before. We, we can't automatically believe that we're a fraud or avoid trying new things or giving up too quickly on new things simply because we're not good at something that we're starting for the first time. What we need to focus on and try to adapt to is embracing the mindset of I can and I will. And this ties back to self-efficacy. And this is why the fake it till you make it advice is so damaging to people suffering from imposter syndrome because the fake it till you make it reinforces feeling as though we're a fraud. But what if we shifted our mindset and said, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. I know I'm not going to be good at it from the start and that's okay. I'm going to be good enough. And I, I referenced this in a previous podcast. We're never ready for the next thing. But the question is, are we ready enough? You graduate from college, you're not ready for the first job, but you're ready enough. You you have a dog and the dog is a precursor to having a child. And then you learn that you're going to have a child. You're not ready to be a parent. You're just not. You'll be ready enough. 
when it comes to lessening or overcoming feelings of imposter syndrome, the question is, can I and will I? Sometimes the can I is more difficult because we've never done it before. But will I, that might be that, that you know, inspiration. That might be that seed that allows you to uh, be willing to start something new in order to have the shift of mindset. It will allow you to develop you know, more effective coping skills. It will allow you to embrace mistakes and set the goal of what you learn from those mistakes in order to positively impact our lives. And you know what? All of it is food for thought, fellow questers. Please consider writing a review and leave a five-star rating. Be sure to pass the show on to your friends. The show's growing with each passing week, so thank you. You can contact the show at thequestforlife.com, the quest number four, life.com. And as always, thank you for joining the conversation.